This is folk anarchy. What sort of anarchy have we been talking about? What threads connect this anarchy of mutinies and metropolises that takes today what tomorrow never brings? It's folk anarchy. An anarchy created for and by ordinary people living extraordinary lives. Folk anarchy demands complete world revolution, and within the shadows of the dinosaur, it is busily creating a new world today. To help folks realize that they are capable of creating anything, this is our aim, our conspiracy, and our task. Folk anarchy versus faux anarchy. Folk anarchy is more than a dream. It is a way to describe what we're already doing today, how our projects and passions fit together, warts and all. It is not another ideological faction, too busy with theories to actually engage in anarchy, but rather an evolving approach describing what our communities have already created. Even our smallest victories are far more meaningful than the dinosaurs, and sometimes even ourselves, realize. While we begin this, began this book with a vicious denunciation of the dinosaurs and all those awed by their power who might ape their ways, it is far more valuable to concentrate on what allows anarchy to happen. After all, the dinosaurs are clearly doomed. Their war machinery has put a cloud over the future of humanity. Their industrial infrastructure may well be destroy our ecosystems within our lifetimes. Against a tidal wave of despair, folk anarchy provides an example of hope for a world that, upon closer inspection, may not be so doomed after all. This approach to anarchy draws upon several basic themes revolving around regular folks, as opposed to a mythical singular illusion such as, quote, the folk. Some disingenuous critics may be quick to point out that National Socialism drew heavily the notion of the folk. However, we mean folk as in Woody Guthrie's folk music and Zora Neale Hurston's folk tales, not as the Nazis have used it in Volkswagen. Fascism requires centralization of power, thrives on hierarchy, and demands purity, whether it is ethnic or ideological. For these obvious reasons, folk anarchy is the exact opposite of fascism, creating decentralized networks, fiercely guarding our autonomy, and celebrating diversity, whether in individuals or their ideas. We refuse to relinquish the imagery of folks taking control of their own lives to put to past and future fascists. We are reclaiming this idea because it is meaningful and inspiring today. In a world where words can be so meaningless, anarchy is a word worth fighting for. Folk is not a new flavor of anarchy. It is neither the prefix like green anarchy or a suffix like anarcho-communism. Folk anarchy resists orthodoxy, including anarcho-orthodoxy. Folk is not a faction, splinter group, or rebellion against another tendency. It has no color in the anarchist rainbow. It embraces the entire spectrum. 
This living anarchy is based on a web of practices that seem to thrive everywhere that the dinosaurs do not control. Folk anarchy sprouts up differently in favelas and farms, in squats and street demos. People can embrace a folk approach to anarchy while maintaining other orientations, whether specific newer concepts such as Shranarchy or Chucko's inclusive notion of Big Ten Anarchy. Folk describes the participants the same way the term folk art is used, not their particular ideologies. The only approaches that are excluded are those that slide into authoritarianism, professionalism, and elitism. There is no singular folk anarchism, and there hopefully never will be. The moment anarchy becomes capital A anarchism, with all the requisite platforms and narrow historical baggage, it is transformed from the activity of people into yet another stale ideology for sale on the marketplace. Culture as a dare When culture can be co-opted, folk approaches to anarchy cannot. The moment something becomes co-opted, owned, and created by corporations, it is out of the hands of ordinary people and is lost. A street vendor can hawk a patch with a Circle A symbol. A bookstore can sell you a book of anarchist theory. We even sold you this book. Well, they didn't. I stole it. But no one can ever sell you the experience of living anarchy. You have to do it yourself. Capitalism can sell you a video game of a riot, but they can't sell you the feeling of running through the streets in solidarity with other people. The merchants of desire can sell you a romance novel, but they can't sell you the tender embrace of a new lover. We can never be satisfied with images, theories, manifestos, web pages, blogs, and books. Demand the real thing, anarchy in our own lives, right here and right now. The paths that lead us from where we are right now to where we want to be are difficult, but the allies and tools we need to help us are already, are already available. Folk anarchy is a culture of theft that enables us to steal the best of every ideology, the finest of past experiences, and creatively use them in our present struggles to create empowering experiences and lives. In these lives, we can create an activism that is truly revolutionary if we have the courage to step beyond feeble community. <clears throat> community organizing based on stereotypes and beyond the fetishization of violence as well as the million other dead ends that dinosaur-obsessed activists take. In our goal of spreading anarchy, there are no excuses however convenient, for lack of action. Some people will try to dissuade us, pointing out these are not revolutionary times. There's no such thing as revolutionary times. Time does not rule us. We create the times, revolutionary or not. When we break free from our chains of routine and hierarchy, the times are revolutionary. Capitalism teaches us that we are data blips, dots on demographic charts that are born to work, commute, consume, and eventually die. Every fiber of our bodies knows something else exists beyond this depressing cycle, and what we yearn for, real connections with other people.
Anarchy is not just a political strategy or a collection of tactics. Anarchy is a web of conscious connections that is now consciously global. Every direct and personal action of solidarity that anarchists commit builds and strengthens this web. When folks from North America travel to South America and meet with anarchists there, the web grows, just as much as it is when we meet and discuss our lives, their lives, with people living down the street who have never even heard of anarchy. Those people down the street could show us a trigger too as well. However, could just living our lives to the utmost be a revolutionary strategy worth pursuing? Is revolution worth not only dying for, but living for? Communities of resistance meet the revolution of everyday life. Quote, The everyday practical activity of the tribesmen reproduces or perpetuates a tribe. Their reproduction is not merely physical, but social as well. Through their daily activities, the tribesmen do not merely reproduce a group of human beings. They produce a tribe, namely a particular social form within which this group of human beings performs specific activities in a specific manner. The everyday activities of slaves reproduces slavery. If the everyday life of capitalists reproduces capitalism, what does the everyday life of anarchists create? Could it be anarchy? Unquote. Stanford sociology professor turns ELF spokesperson. The revolution of everyday life serves as the bedrock of our communities of resistance, and no genuine commodity of resistance can exist without a revolution of everyday life. The corollary to this is that if there is to be revolution, it must encourage a personal transformation of the individual folks as well as the formation of revolutionary communities. To reach these lofty aims, we need people strong enough to refuse to die for ideology or personal profit. People who can not only destroy the current capitalist system and its institutions, but who will utterly prevent the creation of the next dinosaur. It is easy for prospective revolutionaries to fall into the trap of power after any attempted revolution, becoming leaders and presidents of the new regime. The only way to prevent this retracing of the path of the dinosaurs is to break out of these habits in our everyday lives. Past attempts at revolution have shown that the abusive father, the petty bureaucrat of obscure communist party, or the authoritarian commander of the revolutionary cell will all will all become full-fledged dictators if the power becomes available to them. We suspect, we suspect that the freedom-loving individual who is constantly challenging power within herself by creating revolutionary situations in every interaction is far more likely to actually dismantle power. Yet these individuals alone can only do so much. By working together in a community, their potential grows exponentially. The anarchist individual gains the ability to actually practice anarchy through living in these kinds of communities. These communities are in resistance exactly because they rechannel power to every, everybody by resisting both internal and external urges towards centralizing power. 
affinity groups, decentralized networks, collectives, and consensuses. Consensus are all folk tools that are being used in these communities today and will be needed in the future. These are not just means to the ends. They are ends of themselves. Some may call this thinking utopian. <clears throat> just because anarchists can pull it off at a convergence or info shop, the critics will argue, doesn't mean it's possible to create successful communities on the same principles. Yet, the impossible exists all around us. If only our critics would turn off their televisions and computers. From indigenous women remaking their communities in Chiapas, to punks serving free food in Tompkins Square Park, to tree sitters sharing ta- tales at an encampment in Cascadia, we are surrounded by folk anarchy. Yes, all of these examples come from radically different environments, but who says that we must have a single utopia? Once ordinary people have reached a place where the experts told us we could never go, we'll just head for an even more impossible place. Folk anarchy is just keeping it real. Let us also apply that maxim not only to politics, but also to our lives. After all, what is more utopian than to wait for change until after the next election? until the Federation has got just a few more members, or until the theory has been perfected. What could be more realistic than demanding revolution in our daily lives, ways of providing free food, squatted shelter, poetry to inflame the heart and the flames needed to burn down their banks? Folk anarchy is both utopian and realistic, in the finest senses of these words. Keeping it real prevents meaningless scenesterism and overhyped revolutionary swagger that are symptoms of a lack of community where people can really express both their fears and hopes in honest communication. Such communication is the cornerstone to our communities and our lives. Communities don't have to be temporarily and spatially located to be real or meaningful. Too many people live in the same apartment building and don't even know each other. Communities can exist stretched out over vast expanses of time and distance. Think of the ever-growing number of communities built up only through the Internet, where most members will never meet face-to-face. However, for all the vast distances of space and time that keep us separate, people still need to meet face-to-face. Folk anarchy exists when people meet and join at the same space or time, be it at social forums, mobilizations, homes, music shows, or while traveling. Communities are knit together by what is held in common, and it's definitely not just common ideals or a common platform. Communities are held together by common experiences, blood and sweat, love and battle, or not at all. Communities aren't simply born, they also die, and this too is a source of strength. Being tied to past models leads often to a strangulation of the imagination, and we need all of our creativity. Let's build these revolutionary communities based on our particular and changing realities. We shouldn't be afraid of leaving our old communities 
others will take them and make them their own, just as we had inherited them from others. We are thieves in the night, taking the best of anything that we find and using it to further our own purposes, and then moving on. We are picking the locks of imagination. Anarchy is not the end. Anarchy is a beginning. The Death of Purity Long Live the Hybrid Hybrids survive when the purebreds die out. Like dinosaurs, most pure creatures are over-specialized at the expense of their adaptability and cannot survive as soon as their environment makes an unexpected shift. The perpetual search for theoretical and practical purity is exhausting and in the end self-defeating. At every acrimonious conference, in every blistering email exchange, in every screeching volley of letters to the editors of anarchist magazines, it is easy to see that the ideologues among us are becoming more and more of a drag. Some of us keep attacking each other in the service of our favorite absolutist vision, with the kind of venom that should be reserved for those that oppress us. Too many times it devolves from the necessary debates over tactics, strategy, and focus into the kind of popularity contests, ideological shell games, and cults of personality that are so despicable in mainstream politics and the left. Instead of advancing a narrow anarcho-orthodoxy, it is time for the search for purity to be abandoned. Despite the best attempts of groups searching for a specific, homogenous, coherent trajectory for the American anarchist community, there is none. It is diverse, flexible, decentralized, chaotic, and adaptable. The spread of folk anarchy is simple. Individual social relationships are the foundations for hybrid networks of resistance. When someone from Virginia and someone from California meet at a conference in Florida and work together, play together, fall in love, and maintain their connection when they part ways, they are creating a network. When they visit each other and bring friends, coordinate their next travels, and aid each other along the way, the only worldwide web that matters is built and strengthened. Tomorrow, they may be fighting cops next to each other, planting gardens for community-supported agriculture, or working in collective spaces. These networks begin with individuals working together, then quickly mutate into hybrid communities that can have an impact on our everyday lives. These tangible and reciprocal relationships between local, regional, and global struggles have been very clearly articulated by groups like the Zapatistas and others. Realizing how global oppressions are networked and to what maniacal ends our enemies will go to maintain their power, we realize our resistance must even be more powerful and more complex. For example, the indigenous Uwa's threat to commit mass suicide in Colombia mobilized activists in the U.S. and Europe, ranging from unemployed earth-firsters to well-endowed liberals, to put pressure on Occidental petroleum. Through, their diversity of ta- through a diversity of tactics, including boycotts and evading their stockholder meetings, these pressures forced the company to withdraw their oil bid on UA land 
we have learned that any resistance to global oppression must be met with a resistance that is just as intertwined and complex, if not more. For these reasons, no single platform or party line will be meaningful and effective for all our communities of resistance. Successful networks are created through many unexpected channels. We exchange information through indie media, anarchist periodicals, do-it-yourself videos, books, discussion groups, workshops, and through the experiences of our daily lives. We are youth, women, members of ethnic minority groups, queers, artists, agitators, students, teachers, and street rebels. Everyone and anyone can participate in global resistance, and it is only through the diversity of our struggles that we begin to answer to the tough questions that face us. Do-it-yourself politics. Do it, do it, do it. Don't stop, don't stop, don't stop. Anarchist folk chant from Florida, late 1990s. Doing yourself is valuable for its own sake, not just because you don't have the money to pay a specialist to do it for you. Transposed against mass culture, do-it-yourself is a widely successful strategy in philosophy. For folk anarchists, it levels the playing field between those with different material resources, helps us share in our skills to become less dependent on any one individual, and helps us create cultures of resistance. The road to totalitarianism is paved with good intentions. As every corporate CEO knows, actually possessing steady supplies of resources and money is the clearest and shortest path to authority. By necessary, by necessity, do-it-yourself is the inverse. It involves us ordinary folks sharing what resources, skills, and creativity we have to get extraordinary things done. This isn't merely a retread of the artisan versus mass production argument. Our anarchies must strive to be inclusive enough to allow anybody to have at least the option of learning to do everything. Isn't strange that people who gladly endorse do-it-yourself for repairing bicycles and making music suddenly start quoting dead theorists or blindly begin copying the state and other dinosaurs when it comes to politics? We need the courage to do politics ourselves. In the Belly of the Beast Quote, Burning the American flag has become something of an initiation rite for young radicals. Across the world, the message of, quote, Yankee go home is clear. But in the borders of this fat nation, burning our own flag has a more ominous set of possibilities. I wonder what phoenix will rise from the ashes of the red, white, and blue turned black in fire. Unquote. A journal entry of Black Bloc participant, Bush's crash inauguration, 2000. Specific models and solutions are needed for different regions and contexts. Folk anarchy is as old as resistance to any form of domination, and so is as much a part of American history as violence and apple pie. 
Right now, we're beginning to see the conscious articulation of many of these unconscious principles in anarchist communities in North America. We draw on and are, and are inspired by anarchist agitation in the last century, as well as successful models that are not traditionally anarchist, whether they are egalitarian shantytowns in South Asia, Zapatismo in Chiapas, mutinies on the battlefield, neighborhood committees in Argentina, nomadic peoples, and so on. All struggles are born out of their particular location, set of circumstances, raw materials, and local ideas. Our struggles in the United States are converging with global struggles to create a folk anarchy that knows no borders or limits. Anarchy doesn't mean a skillet revolution, but thousands of revolutions. Privileged people in the first world need to contemplate our role and actions in these global struggles. We are the children in the giant fortress, some of us the children of slaves and others of the masters, peering over the wall into a world despoiled and wrecked for the benefit of the lords of the castle. Will we mutiny against our mad captain, or continue to fight among ourselves for the scraps? We must decide, as the workers, artisans, beggars, and thieves contained and protected behind the walls of Fortress America, what our next move will be and how, can work with our, how we can work with our friends in the lands outside the castle. Throughout the world, people are struggling for folk anarchy, to live their lives as they see fit. When anarchists in the United States get our act together to create some real anarchy, there will be more hope for everyone else in the world. Is it possible for black flowers to grow in the acrid belly of the beast? The promises of the United States offers us no refuge or grounding. The hollow promises of the American dream will never fill our bellies with food or fire. Yet we are growing outside the spotlight of mass media. Artists are woefully imperfect, yet always changing, patched together bits of older and more exotic cultures of resistance. The totems of the traveler, the patches, the bicycles, the bagels, are not much on the surface, but they are a challenge to monoculture and the rule of dinosaurs. Some anarchists in the U.S. reject their past outright, preferring to live in the shadows of revolutionary Spain or in the Stone Age before technology. But yet many of us have rejected defeatism and have begun to pick up the broken fragments and lost toys. Using whatever is at hand, anarchy can create a refuge for refugees from the world of the dinosaurs. From the punk to the housewife, the immigrant to the college dropout, we all want something more than our limited options of subcultures, and our best chance to make is to make something new together. So let's not just create another refuge from the dinosaurs, but a revolution that will destroy them. Our ability to put the heat on the master dinosaurs of America, we relieve immense pressures globally, and who knows what next. If the American culture of movies, shopping malls, and soft drinks cannot inspire us, there are other Americas that can.
Americas of renegades and prisoners, of dreamers and outsiders. Something can be salvaged from the twisted wreck of the, quote, democratic spirit, unquote, celebrated by Walt Whitman. Something subverted from the sense that each person has worth and dignity, a spirit that can be sustained on self-reliance and initiative. These Americas are Americas of the alienated and the marginalized, indigenous warriors, the freedom fighters of civil rights, the miners rebelling in the Appalachian Mountains. America's past is full of revolutionary hybrids. Our list could stretch infinitely onwards towards undiscovered past or future. This monolith of a rich and plump America must be destroyed to make room for many Americas. A folk anarchist culture rising in the periphery of America and can grow in the fertile ground that lies beneath the concrete of the great American wasteland. Anyone struggling today, living the hard life and fighting the even harder fight is a friend, even if she or he can never share a single meal with us or speak our language. The anarchists of America, with our influences as wide as our prairies and dreams that could light those prairies on fire, have no single vision of the future. In the U.S., where people can make entire meals on discarded food, live in abandoned buildings, and travel on the secret paths of lost highways and railroads, we are immensely privileged. We cannot ignore this, so the question is how globally American anarchists can utilize this privilege to bolster anarchy everywhere. This challenge must give rise to immense love, unending possibilities, global solidarity, a future immense enough for everyone. Go tell your folks. So this book is almost done. As you can see, only a few thin pages are left until the end. Any final word on folk anarchy is necessarily anticlimactic. One collective can't say it all. Your mind may be wondering, what is this all about? Or you may wonder, how is folk anarchy any different than just plain old anarchy? If these are your questions, we will admit now these final pages are undoubtedly leave you unfulfilled. Perhaps your conception of anarchy is exactly what we mean when we say folk anarchy, or more likely, only some of these ideas make sense for your life. There are no easy-to-digest definitions or pithy ten steps to liberation. What we want to share instead is how these folk approaches can work, how they are working, and how we all can keep the spirit of folk anarchy alive in our projects. Folk anarchists exist today, beneath the surface of the global capitalist empire. Folk anarchy is shaped by individuals who consciously reject easy ideologies, allow chaos to form their projects, and rely on whatever and whoever is at hand. Of course, something so eclectic by its nature will defy any singular definition. Here's the open secret of folk anarchy. Anarchy is everywhere. Folk anarchy is what people are doing today all over the world and places all over this wild country of the United States. It is found 
in the network of anarchists, eco-activists, and cooperative farmers in north-central Wisconsin who are stopping a new centralized electrical scheme that would destroy pristine wildness, wilderness, steal fields from family farms, and run up costs for basic utilities. It inspires dozens of pirate radio stations refusing to submit to the new FCC regulations and swapping their regional recordings online to fill the airwaves with as many voices as possible. From San Diego to Maine. It is also found in the Free Yellow Bike Project in Portland, Oregon, set up by a handful of bike enthusiast friends with some repair bike skills bike repair skills, and a connection at the local junkyard. The Yellow Bike Project, replicated at many cities, simply allows yellowed bikes to be available to the public for free, parking them unlocked anywhere in the city. Folk Anarchy also connects the dedicated web of strangers and co-conspirators stretched from Austin to Gainesville, who are providing shelter for one runaway teens escaping abusive situations. Folk anarchy can even be found in the oppressive environments of schools and workplaces. Folk anarchy is on the edges of favelas and shantytowns. It is in the hearts of people yelling, homes, not jails, and then actually doing something about it. It can be uncovered in train yards and on aircraft carriers. Folk anarchy tonight sings songs in jails and tells stories in homeless shelters. Folk Anarchy is dancing at the next Against Me concert if you awake while scamming copies at your overnight coffee shop job. It is what other people are doing, and maybe Folk Anarchy is what you have been doing for weeks or decades, independent of this book and its interpretation. Folk Anarchy is this podcast. Folk Anarchy is you submitting your writing and helping each other learn from helping us all learn from each other. Folk anarchy unfolds in amazing ways. Folk anarchy can help us rethink not only our oppressions, but also our resistance. Folk anarchy helps us find allies and construct plans regardless of our size or how outlandish our dreams are. Folk anarchy allows us to break down the obstacles that disrupt our best efforts. Folk anarchy gives us an evolving language to explain the things we all defend what we do and explain it to others. It allows us to identify dinosaur thought, to point out the dangers of inefficiency and experts, to express the hidden possibilities of chaos and communal heroism. It gives voice to what our heart already knows. Folk anarchy provides work a much-needed challenge to the dinosaurs. It can be so ordinary as to be missed by their surveillance cameras and clever enough to be to befuddle their intelligence units. It can slip past their sentries. It can swarm, pulse, and overwhelm. Sometimes it can help us disappear unpredictably. It can be today's news or it can be drawn from history. It works its magic in streets, info shops, and around kitchen tables. You can use folk anarchy to seek out unlikely places. It can move computers to Chiapas. Folk anarchy can help you avoid burnout and resentment. It, It offers perspectives and provides a way to organize. You can do folk anarchy in every project that stirs your imagination and with anyone that seeks to end hierarchies based on power. 
You can use the lessons of folk anarchy to see through the manipulations of others and to avoid the pitfalls that sap your resources and morale. It can help you create a book and distribute it to a hundred, hundreds of friends you haven't yet met. Folk anarchy is a process, a way to organize and perceive. It doesn't seek to add or subtract to anarchy, but highlight its most enduring and successful characteristics, decentralization, mutual aid, doing it yourself, voluntary association, and chaos. We do all of these positive things while accepting the tedious task of deconstructing the rhetorical techniques of folks, whether they call themselves anarchists or not, who embrace the tactics of dinosaurs and wish to water down our own efforts. Folk anarchy is creating our own choices. It is an exploding bomb of possibilities, a rejection of everything embodied by the state and the boss, the bully and the banker, the abusive husband and the pig. It is a name, however arbitrary, for an infinite multitude of actions taken to erode the constraints of authority, freeing ourselves from dependence on the ravages of capitalism, murderous intrigues of the state. It's what opens up our time to work with and support others in their struggles for similar goals. It's what gets us up in the morning without calling or an alarm clock. Folk anarchy is what gives us hope when we've lost everything, providing the music to the movement of the stars or on the last sunset the world of the dinosaurs will ever see. Friends, this is folk anarchy.